and slow and then John tried to speed it up and then it just made it go which made it even more beautiful so love it awesome how you guys doing this morning wonderful wonderful yes my cowboys are playing tonight so you can root for them I know that would be so painful for many of you especially uh, those of you who are not fans of the cowboys but the chiefs hey come on let's go they won Five years in a row, they've been in the AFC Championship game. That is crazy. That's amazing. You guys have experienced a lot of winning here. That is fun. So super cool. Um, I actually had the blessing and privilege to go to the game yesterday. So it was super cool to be there. And even though I was cold, (laughs) it was wet and cold, but we were prepared. So it worked out great. It was a lot of fun. So uh, a few years ago... When I was on staff at a church back in Denver, we had a woman that we wanted to help out, and we, and we as a church, we kind of rallied around her and, and helped her in a certain situation. But as a gift, her response to the church, um, as a gift, she brought us some puzzles and, uh, to our staff and gave them to our staff. And now these puzzles were very unique. They were glitter edition, um, fantasy fairy puzzles. Okay, I'm talking rainbows, unicorns, puppy fairies, like this most strange, random things on the pictures of these puzzles. And, uh, and we were, you know, like, well, you know, I mean, we should at least honor the fact that she gave us these puzzles. Let's, let's put one together, you know. So we, we got out one of the glitter edition fantasy puzzles and uh, started putting it together. And it became this puzzle mania, actually, with our staff for a while where we would have a puzzle just kind of out on a table. And then randomly, when people had time, they would go over and just kind of sit down and work on it a little bit like you do with a large puzzle. And it actually ended up being a lot of fun. And then we did the other puzzle that she gave us, another Glitter Edition fantasy puzzle. And then when we made all the Glitter Edition fantasy puzzles, we loved them so much that we actually ordered another Glitter Edition <laughs> fantasy puzzle and put it together. It was wonderful. And then, and then we kind of glued them all together. You know how you do when you finish a puzzle. And then for a little a joke, I hung them up in uh, my pastor's wife's office um, on her wall. And uh, that was a lot of fun. But so we had a lot of fun putting those puzzles together. Now, I, you know, typically when you're putting a puzzle together, the first thing you do is what? You do the border, right, the edges, right. You do the border. So you find the little edge pieces and you put them together. And then from there, my particular strategy is I kind of uh, order, organize the pieces into color schemes, right? So you kind of have your yellows or your pinks or whatever that looks similar. And then I start working on either those colors or kind of work my way in from the outsides. Any puzzlers here? Any people who really love puzzles? Man, wow, look at that. We are a puzzle-building church. That's awesome. We need to have a puzzle out in the lobby that we just do together as a church. And every Sunday, you guys can just go over and everyone can take their... That actually would be pretty funny. Pretty fun. Um, so, anyways, uh, that was, that's kind of my strategy. Now, I have this cheat code that I kind of use when I'm putting puzzles together. And that is, I will look at the picture on the box or the poster that comes with it or whatever, and I'll pick up an individual piece. And then I will look at the picture and find exactly where that individual, oh, there it is. There's the individual piece. And then I'll place it right there in the frame. And it actually works really well, especially when it starts coming together to find those pieces. And and that's kind of my cheat code for doing puzzles. But I would be lost without the picture. Like without the big picture, I would be in huge trouble. And you guys, I'm sure, are much more experienced than I am. Um, But 
I would be in trouble without the big picture. And I think that's true in our lives as well, that it's easy going through life when we're to get bogged down in the day-to-day, kind of the minutia of everyday life and the responsibilities that we have and the things that are on our schedule and the tasks that we have to complete. And when we can't see the big picture, it's easy to kind of lose sight of our purpose. And what is our mission? What, why am I here? You know, and we can, we can get stuck kind of sorting through the random puzzle pieces, if you will, of our lives. And, and then we, we kind of lose sight of that grander design that God has. But if we can take a moment, step back from our life, and look at the big picture, the eternal perspective of how our life fits in to the grand design of God's plan, then suddenly purpose becomes more clear. We live with a greater sense of missionality in our life, and our life starts to just make sense. Have you guys ever had a moment where you were in the presence of God or you were worshiping or whatever, and even if you had a lot of things that were going on in your life and questions and everything else, everything just kind of felt like it made sense all of a sudden? And I think there is a truth to that. When we are in the presence of Jesus... Life makes sense, even when it doesn't. (laughs) And so the title of my message this morning is The Big Picture. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we want to encounter you, Jesus, today, the power of your word. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. Will you form us, transform us, God? Lord, God, into your image and likeness, God, more and more every day. But it is our destiny to be conformed into the image of your son. And so, Lord, I pray that today your word will bear fruit in our lives. Lord, anything that I say, I pray, that comes from me, it'll fall to the ground dead, Lord. But your word will take root in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing in our vision series today. We've been in it for the last, let's see, three, three weeks. So we started off January 1st, kicking it off, and, uh, and it's been a wonderful series. I've enjoyed it so far, and we've been talking about God's dream for the world, right? So God's dream is that he will reconcile all men and women back to himself in relationship with himself, united together under the lordship and headship of Jesus Christ, this beautiful picture of unity in union with God and with one another. And that's his dream for the world. And he has a way of accomplishing that dream that we see throughout scripture and throughout human history. And his way is personal, communal, and missional. And so we've been talking about that. We talked about how God's way is personal. It starts with connection with him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about knowing him. It's all about being alive, right? Alive and devoted in relationship with a living God. So it begins there. And then last week we talked about how it is communal, how we connect one to another, that God's kingdom is all about relationship. It's about knowing God in relationship and knowing each other in a special way that we are, as a church, we are one family, fully known and fully loved in authentic relationship. And so when we're fully known and fully loved by God, it gives us the courage to be fully known and fully loved in relationship. And that leads to the last step in God's way. And that is his vision is missional. There is a function, there is a purpose to God's vision. Amongst other things, our life on this earth is a temporary assignment. It is a temporary assignment. Temporary because we, we're going to live in eternity, right? And this life is but for a moment. And we, we zoom back and look at the big picture of eternity forever, not not a thousand years, not 10,000 years, tens and hundreds and whatever thousands. Our mind doesn't even grasp it. It is without time. And we look at our life. Our life is literally like a drop in a bucket compared to the ocean of eternity. Is Our life is a staging ground for eternity. 
So we will live forever with Christ, and it's going to be beautiful. And it's not babies sitting on clouds, you know, half naked playing harps. That, that's, that's not heaven, okay? It is the kingdom of God. And if you read Revelation, it is a beautiful thing. Trees and rivers and life and light and gold and all these amazing things that we see in the description of the new heaven and new earth. And we get to live with Jesus in his presence forever without any death, without any suffering, without any pain. It's a beautiful picture. Now that is our eternity, right? But when we look at our life, we realize it is temporary. The Bible has a lot of scriptures that talk about the brevity of life. It is brief. It is fleeting. The Bible says that it's like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Our lives are so short in light of eternity. 70, the average person lives around you know, 80 years, 77 years, something like that. 28,000 days, 40 million minutes. And that's it. That's all we got. It is temporary, but it is also an assignment. This world is our temporary residence. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. So here we are just sojourners. We're just passing through. This isn't our home. We don't have to try to make roots here and really, and really dig down and create a home for ourselves here. Our home is with Jesus in heaven. And so that's why we are not of this world. But we're in it, right? We're in the world, but we're not of this world. We are of a different kingdom. And so we are temporarily residing here on our way to our home with Jesus. And because of that, because heaven is our real home, there will always be some level of discontent of, of the fullness of life here on this earth. There, there, we will never be fully satisfied here because we're, we're not present with the Lord yet completely. And that's when we're fully satisfied, when we're present with Jesus, right? Now, we have moments of that, and we, we pray for the kingdom of heaven to evade earth. That's what Jesus' prayer was in Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying that, and we want to see God's kingdom established here for sure. But it's brief, it's a temporary residence, and, and we're not ever going to be fully content here only with Jesus when our true hope is realized. But it's a temporary assignment. We have an assignment. We have a function. We have a purpose. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom, that we are representatives of Jesus. Our job is to re, or again, present Jesus to the world. We want to present again the life of Jesus. We want to reflect him. We want to live like him. We want to talk like him. We want to walk like him. We want to love like him. And so that is our assignment, is to be ambassadors of this different kingdom and represent Jesus well. There are certain things that we can only do here on the earth that we can't do in heaven. There are, there are certain things that we can only do here. Right? And then when our assignment is over, when we pass away, then that, that's done. We're done. Now we're on to heaven, right? And so there are, only a, there are a few things that can only happen while we're here on the earth. Rick Warren said this in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He said, in God's eyes, the greatest heroes of faith are not those who achieve prosperity, success, and power in this life, but those who treat this life as a temporary assignment and serve faithfully, expecting their promised reward in eternity. He said, and then he goes on at the end, he says, at death, you won't leave home, you'll go home. Isn't that comforting to know? We're, we're going home. <laughs> when we, and, that's, and people say that she went home, but like, that's true. For us as believers, we are going home when we pass on. But there's a reason why you read Hebrews 10 and you hear about these heroes of faith who were, who were stoned to death and who were martyred for their faith in Christ, right? Son and two, all these different things that have happened. And you know, you've heard stories probably of, of, of martyrs all across the world, even today, people dying for their faith in Christ. Why would they do that? It's because they zoomed out and realized, hey, this is a temporary assignment. My reward is with Jesus. Store up my treasures in heaven. And so I'm able to separate myself. I don't have to be comforted at all times in this world because I am on assignment with the kingdom of God and with Jesus. Now is the time to bring light to the darkness. 
Now is the time. We have the opportunity right now to be the light that shines in the darkness, just like Jesus, because we represent him. We have the opportunity to be the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it, right? It can't. And we wage war against the kingdom of darkness and against the enemy. And he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy people's lives. And I know you guys have seen it, maybe even in your own life or in people close to you. The enemy, his work of stealing, killing, and destroying. He wants us to be in bondage. He wants us to be wounded. He wants us to be dependent upon material things and miss our purpose. That's what he's trying to do. But Jesus came that we might have what? Life, right? Life more abundantly, life in all its fullness. And that is Jesus himself. He is life. And we have the opportunity and the assignment to bring light into a dark world. Amen? Amen. And so we see this missionality. We've, we've been talking about Ezra and the rebuilding of the temple and Acts, the building of the church, and we see this same missionality in those stories. So in Ezra, last week we left off, they had laid the foundation of the temple. They were united together, worshiping God, thanking God that they had gotten that far. And then in Ezra chapter 4, the king makes a decree for them to stop building. He says, stop, because people complain to the king. So they stop building. But then the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, go to the people and they say, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Jesus, God called you to do this. Don't let them tell you to stop. You keep going. You do the work that God has asked you to do, even if resistance comes. And so they continued on. They were encouraged, inspired. They continued on in the building of the temple. And they sent a letter to the king saying, very respectful, saying, hey, search the archives. The, the former king gave us permission to do this. Sure enough, the king searches. He's like, oh, shoot, wow, Ugh. oops. Um, yeah, you, you do have the right to do that. And then he blesses them, and next thing you know, they have the favor of the king of Persia, which is amazing, continually as they build the temple. So they pressed on in the face of opposition, and then because of their persistence, God blessed them and gave them favor. And then finally, the temple was completed. Woohoo! Ezra 6, verse 14, they finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. But then the story doesn't end. It doesn't end with them. It wasn't like they're like, okay, oh, we got our temple. We're good. We got each other. We're all set. Now, now we're done. That's not the way it worked. And the same thing with us. It's not upward, inward, and then we're done. We have another step, outward, right? It's not just, oh, hey, I love Jesus. I have a relationship with him. He's awesome. I've connected with the heart of God. That's so great. And now I have a community. I have a small group, and we're sharing life together, and it's wonderful, and we have this awesome community, and we're good. We're all set. No, we're not done yet. we got one more step, and that's to live outwardly. And the church wasn't done, or the, the people of Israel weren't done either. So Ezra chapter 7 Verse 25, this is the king telling Ezra to continue the work of God even past building the temple. He says, and you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of trans-Euphrates, all who know the laws of your God, and you are to teach any who do not know them. So even beyond the children of Israel, he's like, go teach everyone in the trans-Euphrates area. You teach them the law of your God. Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. So the king said it wasn't enough. It's not just enough to teach the people of Israel. Go beyond. T teach everyone the laws of your God. Because he saw the value. And the thing is, God is not content with just a few people knowing him. He wants the world to know him. He wants everyone to know his way and his purpose for their life. He wants them reconciled in relationship with himself because he's desperately passionate and in love with every single person on this planet. And then we look at the book of Acts, of the building of the church. They too were met with resistance. Peter and John healed the lame man at the temple. 
And then the religious leaders bring him in. They say, hey, I don't want you guys to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They, they strongly, sternly told them not to. Like they couldn't like hurt them because the people were all celebrating, glorifying God. So they're like, don't do it. You don't do it, you. So they go to their brethren and they say, hey, they told us not to preach. Obviously, we're going to listen to God rather than man, but let's pray. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for courage. So they got together in Acts chapter 4, and they prayed to God, and they, and they prayed three of those prayers that we're, we've been praying over our church. Or, or the last two, it says they prayed for boldness, that they would preach the word of God, and they prayed that God would stretch out his hand to heal, and that signs and wonders would be done through the name of his holy servant, Jesus. And then the Bible says that the place where they were assembled together was shaken, physically shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to preach the word of God with boldness. And so they would not turn aside for any reason. They had an eternal perspective. And they say, you know what? My comfort is not worth someone else's life. So I'm going to press on. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The very people that were uh, opposing them at one point were coming to know Christ. Neither the Israelites in Jerusalem nor the believers in the early church allowed resistance to keep them from fulfilling their God-given purpose and mission on this earth. But both of them needed encouragement. They both needed encouragement. The children of Israel needed encouragement from the prophets, from Haggai and Zechariah. They encouraged them, and then they continued the work. The disciples, they needed encouragement. They came to their brothers, and they said, hey, let's pray together. And they were encouraged. We need each other. Yes, we are on mission in this world. We do have a purpose. We are carrying on the work of Jesus. But man, we're, we live in a dark world. And so we need one another to encourage each other because it's hard I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it when you go into a work environment that doesn't know Christ largely, and maybe you might be the only believer there, and that is, it's oppressive. It feels oppressive. It's like, man, it's hard because everyone around you, I remember when I was working a construction job back in Denver, man, it was a rough group of guys. <laughs> they, I mean, I'm talking like, they, yeah, they didn't know Jesus, but I'm, I mean, way over here in morality, <laughs> right? And, and they made fun of me for my faith, and they were, like, just overtly, like, persecuting me and talking about, oh, you're going to go cast out some demons or, you know. I mean, they were just, like, hardcore. Um, and, and that was difficult. But the church was where I found courage in my relationships, my family, obviously, but also other believers in my life. And then God ended up doing a really cool work at that place. And people came to Christ, and it was amazing. Um, but we need encouragement. And then the church didn't stop in Jerusalem. It didn't end in Jerusalem. Jesus said, what did he say? He said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's like, I want everybody. I want everyone to know the good news. And you see that. So the church in Acts 7, Stephen Gets, is the first martyr. He, he ends up getting killed for his faith in Christ. They stone him to death, and then Saul starts persecuting the church, right? Dragging them out of their homes, throwing them into prison. Persecution takes place in Jerusalem. I mean, stuff that you and I probably will never, ever experience, uh, where you're literally fighting for your life. Uh, and so that was taking place, and then Acts chapter 8, it says they were all scattered. The believers were scattered because they were literally running for their lives. They were scattered all over the different regions. But look what happens in Acts 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They continued to preach. They were being scattered because they were preaching the word. And then when they went to the place where they were scattered to, they continued to preach the word. And they continued to live on mission. There's a reason why the Great Commission says go into all the world and make disciples of all nations because Jesus wishes that none should perish. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, 
but everyone to come to repentance. Every person. Each day that Jesus doesn't return is another day of mercy on the world. It's another day of mercy for more people to hear the good news, the grace of Jesus, and come to, come to know Christ. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. This is why he came. I came to seek and to save those who were lost. John 3, 17. I love this verse. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to save. And you see that with Jesus meeting people, sinners, the most disreputable sinners, with grace first and then truth. Grace and truth, grace and truth. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. And our role, our purpose, our temporary assignment is to continue on the work of Jesus. To continue bringing light into the darkness. To maintain an eternal perspective. And that is at the core of our vision as a church. It's at the core. And so the last few weeks we talked about it. Our way as a church is to be one with Jesus, right? Fully alive and fully devoted to God. Man, we want a living relationship with the living God connected to his heart, passionate about him, experiencing a love that passes knowledge, right? Guided by his spirit and his word and his truth, inviting him into every part of our life. Then we want to be one family, fully known and fully loved in authentic relationships where we cultivate vulnerability and empathy and care and we commit to patience and grace to each other. And we experience freedom, whole life transformation. So one with Jesus, one family, and the last one today is one, we are one on mission. One on mission. We are on mission as a body. We, are on, we live on mission, right? But we are one on mission. So we are united together. We share the same collective purpose because we know Jesus and he's called us all to the same thing. Now we have unique expressions of that for sure. And we, we all share the image of God in a unique way, which is incredible. But we also share a common purpose, Amen? So we are one on mission, fully engaged and fully present with the lost and hurting in our city. Fully engaged and fully present with the lost and hurting in our city. Now, one on mission is the third, right? One with Jesus, one family, one on mission. But it's not the least important. They're all equally important, right? The great commandment, love God, love others. They're, they're, they're the same. And then also the Great Commission. They are all of equal importance. We need all three. But there is a proper order. There is a proper order in our missionality. We do need to begin with solitude with Jesus. We have to connect to the heart of God first. If we try to live missionally without a loving relationship with Jesus and without a loving community, then it's going to be unhealthy. It's not going to be healthy, and it's not going to be sustainable. <clears throat> we have to flow from a place of love. Our missionality has to come from this overflow of love in our life. Our ministry is meant to flow from a place of love rather than obligation, guilt, or an incessant need to stay busy with God's stuff. Right? That's, our missionality does not come from those things. We shouldn't be doing it because we feel obligated to do it. We shouldn't do it because we feel guilty or because we just need to be busy doing things. That's like the American way, right? Let's just be really, really, really busy, right? No, it needs to flow from love. And so, again, fully known and fully loved in an authentic relationship with Jesus. He pours out his love in our heart. We overflow in love with him. We connect to his heart for the world. And then 
We are fully known and fully loved in relationship with each other in community. We have the courage to do that because we are secure because of our relationship with Jesus. And so now we're known and we're loved in these awesome, authentic relationships. And then from that overflow of love in our life, we love the world. We love the world. And our missionality, the reason why we are so passionate about people coming to know Christ, that we are so passionate about caring for those in need, the reason why is because we love them. We love them the way Jesus loves them. And that is the driving force. Otherwise, in our zeal, we can have some unhealthy issues. We can have overzealous issues. <laughs> when we get all about mission, but we don't have love. For instance, we can make people our enemy. If we're all about missionality, but we don't have the love of God driving us, then it's easy to make a person our enemy. And they are not. We do not war against flesh and blood. The Bible says that, but against principalities and powers, spiritual darkness of this age. So the person is never our enemy, right? Now, the lie, that's our enemy. Deception, the devil... The kingdom of darkness, that's our enemy, but not people. People are never our enemy. But when we get overzealous and we don't have a love foundation, the foundation of relationship with Jesus and others, then we can make people our enemy. We can also burn out. We can burn out in our overzealousness to serve. And we just serve, serve, serve. Oh, just going to keep doing the kingdom work. Just going to keep going. And then we're just like, Ugh, I'm done. You know, because we get restless because our heart wasn't in it. We have to stay connected with God. We have to stay connected in relationship. And that makes ministry sustainable because it stays true to its original intent, flowing from love. And then the other issue that can come up from being overzealous is we mistake ourselves as the hero instead of Jesus. Like, oh, it depends on me. Everything depends on me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> We're just dirt. We're piles of dirt <laughs> without Jesus. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. He's the hero in the story. Don't put that pressure on yourself. You will not save the world. Jesus will. You will not. So don't take that pressure on yourself. Just one day at a time, walking in step with the Spirit of God and flowing from a place of love. Amen? So, so two things here. Fully engaged and fully present are there. Fully engaged, what does that mean? Intentionally seek out connection with people outside our Christian community. Intentionally seek out connection with people who are outside our Christian community. It doesn't mean that you're going to be their best friends. It just means connection. You're willing to connect with someone who's outside your Christian community. We are, we are fully engaged so that we can love them well and point them to Jesus because Jesus loves them and we may be the only representative of Jesus in their life. So let's seek out, intentionally seek out connection with someone who might be outside of our Christian community. So fully engaged and then the second thing, fully present. What does that mean? Three things, see, hear, and care. See, hear, and care. Being fully present See people the way Jesus does. When you see a person, how does Jesus see them? Infinite value. Infinite. Every individual person, he sees them with an infinite value. It's like you meet them, it's like, oh my goodness, such a pleasure to meet you. You're made in the image of God. You're his beloved child. Oh my goodness, what was your name? You know what I mean? Infinite value. That's how Jesus sees them, right? Right? So we see them the way he does. And our heart, immediately when we are intentional that way, it connects to a person. And people can tell when it's authentic. People can tell. They're a good judge of character. They know when it's fake. Intentional. We see people the way Jesus does. Let's see. Here, listen with intentionality. Listen with intentionality. Listen between the lines. What's, what's behind the words they're saying? What's going on in their heart? Listen with an intentionality of, of partnering with the Holy Spirit in conversation. And not only that, listen for the purpose of understanding, not for the purpose of replying. 
listen to understand first. Listen to understand, understand to empathize, empathize to bear each other's burdens, right? We've talked about this before. Listen to understand with intentionality. I want to understand them. Where are they coming? What's your story? And then number three is care. Take a genuine interest in their life. Not a fake interest, a genuine interest in their life. I mean, I want to hear your story. Like, what's your story? And I'm talking about anybody, complete strangers, people who don't know Jesus, people who are hurting in our city, whatever it is. I take genuine interest. We want to take genuine interest. So see them the way Jesus does, listen with intentionality, and then take a genuine interest in their life. So fully present. And then that care goes beyond empathy and acts, and you act out of your compassion. It goes to action. We talked about that last week. Okay, so fully engaged and fully present with the lost and hurting in our city. So how do we do this? What are our values? Three values. Number one, witness. The value of witness. Jesus said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, sharing the good news. This is a value for us. We want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world. We want people to know Jesus who loves them, is passionate about them, who died for them, who gave it all for them, the God of the universe who gave it all for them, who created them, who knows them, who knows their every thought, cares about their feelings, their emotions, their experiences, their relationships, cares about every detail of their life, knows the number of hairs that are on their head, has them counted. This God, we want them to know him. So we share the good news. Mark 16 Verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. I do not recommend drinking deadly poison. Let's not test that theory. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Eternal perspective. We want to be fully engaged with those who don't know Christ. Meaning we, we intentionally seek out connection with people who don't know Jesus. What that also means is we don't avoid them. We don't avoid people who don't know Christ. We're not, we're not doing defensive Christianity. Okay? We're like, oh, you don't know Jesus, Ooh, you know, staying away from me, you know. That's not, we, we don't want to build a wall between the people that God has called us to reach and ourselves, right? And so we intentionally seek out connection. Again, I said connection. It doesn't mean they're going to be your best buds, but you're connecting with them because you love them. Meaning we don't avoid them, we don't play defensive Christianity. Remember, Jesus came to tear down those walls and... Jesus was constantly around sinners. He was hanging out with the most disreputable sinners all the time. And in fact, he got a reputation for it. They, like, they, they had like a name for him. In Luke 7, 34, he says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Jesus is talking, he says, They say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So he was called what? A friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. Not even an acquaintance. A friend of sinners. Jesus was constantly around those who didn't know him. Because they are the ones who needed Jesus. He said that. He said, I didn't come to those who are well, but those who are sick. They're the ones who need healing. So, for, for a lot of us, this isn't a natural flow. It might not be a natural flow for you because maybe you work from home um, and so your Christian community is kind of, that's, that's your life and, that, and that's okay. Um, so then the question is, how do we do that? How do we engage with people who don't know Jesus if we're never around them uh, because of our work situation, life situation? Um, that's why we have initiatives as a church. For instance, you remember the neighborhood parties? Light the night? Neighborhood parties? That's what that is. It's getting us in proximity with people who don't know Jesus. And so inviting them over to our house. We're having a little driveway party. And so people can come over. We can meet our neighbors. 
who don't know Christ. We can get around people who don't know Jesus if that's not a normal flow of our life. So we can be present. We intentionally seek out connection. So we want to engage with those who don't know Christ. By the way, if you want a great example of this in Scripture, I don't have time to go into all, but Luke 7 is a wonderful picture of what it looks like to be fully present to someone who needs Jesus. The woman who came and wept at the feet of Jesus when he was sitting at the table with a Pharisee. It's an incredible story in Luke 7. Please check it out. Um, so we want to be fully present to those who don't know Christ. We want to see them the way Jesus does. We want to listen with intentionality. And we want to take a genuine interest in their life. See, hear, care with those who don't know Jesus. We meet them with grace and truth in relationship. We want to share the gospel of Jesus through personal relationships and practical expressions of his love. Personal relationships and practical expressions of his love. Because people typically don't have a relationship with a megaphone. You need Jesus! You know, that, that doesn't typically, you know, capture people's hearts. So, personal relationships, okay. Number two, so number one was witness. Number two, our value is care. Caring for the poor and marginalized. Matthew 25. You guys know this story, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we do all these things? And then verse 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then, those, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. And then he says, For when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me a drink. All the negative sides of that. And then verse 45, they said, they said, well, when did, we not, when did we see you hungry and not give you something to eat? When did we do that? Verse 45, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. This is a very strong encouragement from Jesus to care for those who are hurting, to be present. He says, that person who's in need, in prison, that person who is hungry, that homeless person, whoever it is, that person who is in need, the least of these, my brothers and sisters, that person is me. That's me. How would you treat me? That's how I want you to treat them. See them the way I see them. Amen? It's the same idea here as with the lost. We want to be fully engaged with those who are hurting in our community, the poor and the marginalized, meaning we have to intentionally seek out connection with people who are hurting within our city. We have to intentionally seek out connection with those people. And that's why, again, we have initiatives, outreach initiatives, like we did uh, for Thanksgiving, right? Putting the baskets together of food for those who are in need. We did the giving tree for Christmas. Again, we are intentionally seeking out connection with those who are hurting within our city. And then... We are fully present. Same thing. See them the way Jesus does. Listen with intentionality and take a genuine interest in their life. And let me tell you, my, my old pastor had a really great practice. In Denver, there was a lot, a huge homeless community. Huge. Everywhere. Hundreds and hundreds, thousands of homeless people in Denver. And instead of like, you know, giving them some food or whatever else, uh, when he encountered someone who was homeless, he would take them to lunch, if he could. And he would go with them, he would buy their lunch, but he would sit down with them and have lunch with them and hear their story and just connect with them. He treated them with dignity and respect. And that's what Jesus is asking of us. We treat every person who is the least of these, everyone who is overlooked in our society, we treat them with dignity respect, treat them the way Jesus, treat them as if they were Jesus to us. So fully present and fully engaged. 
the lost and hurting. Now listen, it's, we can't be, I know that we are not able to be present with everyone. Like, it's just, it's not possible. We can't be present with every person. Again, it's a day-to-day, in step with the Holy Spirit thing, motivated by love. It's not, God didn't mean for, mean for us to have the yoke that is heavy. And I mean, the, the yoke that is hard and the burden that is heavy, right? The yoke that is easy, the burden that is light. So it doesn't mean we have to be present to every single person we ever encounter, but we do need to be led by the Holy Spirit and we do need to treat people the way Jesus would. Okay, so number two was care. So witness care. And then the third value here is missions, responding to Christ's global mandate. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So we are a church that supports global mission partners. Uh, And that's something actually today we're meeting with our admin board and our elder board together, and we're going to be discussing new potential partners for our church, which is so awesome. Super excited about that. Uh, And so we want to partner with Christ's global mandate. People that are on the front lines all over the world, we want to partner with them. And the idea is partnership, not just support. We don't want to just financially support them. Yeah, we want to do that, but we also want to partner, meaning we want to share with them, and they share with us. We pour into them, they pour into us. We support them uh, relationally, emotionally, any way that we can, and they do the same for us. And so we we build a partnership. And, And the thing is, is that, a church could be the, the center for everything where they, the church do, is responsible to do everything that there is in ministry. But what I would rather, instead of like trying to create some ministry, uh, like a prison ministry or something like that, if there's already someone doing it and they're doing it amazing in my city, I would much rather partner with them, support them in their work, and then, can, and then volunteer and be, be a partner rather than trying to do it uh, and recreate the will again uh, and not be as effective, right? So we want to have partners, partnerships, and with missionaries, sending teams to different countries and encouraging them uh, instead of trying to do everything ourselves. Uh, missionaries may not be the poor and the marginalized, um, and they may not, not they might may not be lost as either, but they a lot of times missionaries can be lonely because they're out in another country that doesn't speak their their native language, uh, and and they they're building a community. A lot of times they're they're still getting to develop that support that community support there presently, and it's hard. It's really hard. And so what we can do for our missions partners is we can intentionally seek out connection with them and we can see, hear, and care. We can see them, we can listen, and we can take a genuine interest in their life and their ministry. Amen? Amen. So, as you can see, there's a lot of work (laughs) to be done, right? We are on mission. We have a purpose. That is awesome. But don't be discouraged. (laughs) God will not invite you into anything that he hasn't equipped you for. He will give you everything that you need to do the things that he asks you to do. He will equip you for the ministry. We, we always have to remember, again, that we aren't the heroes, okay? It's not all on us. Jesus is the hero. We're partnering with him. We can't do it all, but we can do what God asks of us, right? Can't do it all, but we can do what God asks us to do. And when we prioritize seeking him with all of our heart, one with Jesus, and we have that community, one family together, then the ministry and the mission that we pursue can flow from a place of love. And then it's life-giving. It's not (laughs) life-sucking. It's life-giving, right? The yoke that is easy, the burden that is light version of missionality. That's what Jesus invites us into. Amen? So I want to close with this. Um, I just want you to take a moment right where you are. Just close your eyes and focus on Jesus and just ask the Lord, God, what are you inviting me into right now? Like where have I, is, is, there, is there a purpose in my life that I might have overlooked or I didn't get to see because of the responsibilities of my life or because of all the other burdens that I'm carrying. 
Where are you inviting me to be one on mission with you? Who are you inviting me to see and to hear and to care for? And I just want you to ask the Lord. There might be a specific person in your life that doesn't know Christ. And God's saying, that one. I want you to see, hear, and care for them. I want you to intentionally seek out connection with them, that person. Just one, just think of one, one person doesn't know Christ, one person maybe that is in need right now, one family, just one. Doesn't have to be everyone, doesn't have to be the whole world, just one. God, who are you inviting me to love well? Who are you inviting me to love well? So just take that person and we're just gonna we're just gonna pray for them, the people that God puts on our heart right now. Lord Jesus, we just lift these people up to you. Father, the people that you are asking us to seek out, to pursue with love, Jesus, with the good news, Lord, to care for them and to share Jesus with them. Lord, I pray for them, God. I pray that every heart will be open and receptive to the gospel or that they might come into relationship with the living God in the name of Jesus. And Father, for those who are in need, Lord, I pray that you will be Jireh, Jehovah Jireh to them, the Lord, our provider. God, give us grace to answer the call or God, in, in, to supply or whatever someone might, may need, Jesus. And Lord, we lift all of these people up and Lord, I lift my family up, my brothers and sisters in Christ here. Lord God, will you give us boldness to speak your word? Will you stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders through the name of your son, Jesus? Lord God, help us to be fully engaged and fully present to the lost and the hurting in our city. Lord, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Uh, next week, we are going to continue in this series and we're going to be putting it all together next week. Okay, so we're going to, everything that we've covered, we're going to put it all together, our way, our values, and we're going to talk about what our vision statement is as a church and as well as our name. So the new name for the church, we're going to share that next week as well. So all of that is rolling out next week. It's going to be awesome. Please don't miss it. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So love you guys. Have a wonderful week, and um, we'll see you next week. <laughs>